Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the one and only baseball podcast, Our Fun. This is your host, the one, the only, Grayson Knight. Holy moly, that was amazing. What an introduction. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, so now uh, let me try and return the favor. Welcome back. As you just heard, I am Grayson Knight, and this is Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Most of the time on my podcast, I'm interviewing baseball players or coaches, but today I have someone joining me who has seen a different side of not just baseball games, but lots of other sporting events as well. My guest today has been a host and announcer of live events for several years, over seven, I think, and has done ring introductions for MMA fights and boxing. He's an in-game host for the Daytona Tortugas minor league team and he's also helped out the he's also helped most of the fans uh down in Savannah with the Savannah Bananas. Um if that's not enough, he's also molding young minds as a high school teacher, which reminds me, that word young is the whole part of his whole deal. Folks, welcome Matt Grafer aka the young professor. How are you? Grayson, I'm good, buddy. How are you, man? I am incredible. And so I know you're no stranger to podcasts. You know the rules and so do I. But um, how did you get here? How did you get from your childhood all the way to here? Well, man, like everybody else, one day at a time, right? Uh, And unlike you and a lot of the people that you talk to, uh, my athletic prowess was never what kind of made me stand out. Uh, I know that's most of the people you talk to is is people who specialize in sports and, and baseball in particular. And that was never my deal. Sport, in fact, sports were not a big deal in my house at all. I didn't really my, my father played sports growing up, including baseball. Uh, but there was no real fandom in my house. In fact, my mom's dad, my grandfather, he was a baseball fan and he was a New York Mets fan. So I kind of grew up a a loose New York Mets fan and got into them a little bit more as I got to be an adult when I was 18 is the first time I ever attended a professional baseball game. But what I figured out when I was in high school, when, you know, I went through uh, the transitions where I started to look and sound more like an adult was my voice was something that uh, people complimented me on and started using me in a number of capacities. I was a, in high school. I did JROTC again. I, it wasn't sports, but it was an activity. And they picked me out for my voice to be the commanding officer. And I would do all of our drill team uh, commands. In fact, I was ranked second in the country as a commander. And so that was the first time I realized that I had a talent for this. And years later, uh, after life kind of took me in a few different odds and ends and directions, Uh, I started to use it for live trivia, and from there, I got into sports, and next week, I'll be celebrating five years working in sports, and what a five years it has been. I mean, you ran down a little bit of my resume, but uh, I've been very fortunate to do a lot in sports uh, in the last five years. Wow, that's awesome. Um, So you named yourself the Young Professor because you were actually a college professor in your 20s. Uh, Where and when did you teach? So I started teaching a week before I turned 26 years old. So I was 25 years old. I was working in Daytona Beach, and I was teaching in a sports medicine and fitness technology program, which was really an exercise science program. 
And I did that for about seven and a half years. I was at a the Daytona Beach campus for Kaiser University for a few years. They got rid of my program. So I was let go for a little while. And that's where I started actually hosting live events as to make a little bit of extra money. And then I got picked up by the Jacksonville campus. So I worked, went back to being a professor for another four years or so. And so I, I accumulated about seven and a half years of college teaching experience. And then I spent the last couple of years by day teaching high school in social studies. Is that what that hat is? The Daytona Tortugas? No. So the hat, the one I'm wearing right now, Actually, it is from uh, a company that does like custom hats called the Clink Room. And usually like you order these hats, they're made to order. It takes about six months to get them. But this is a, uh, a, a banana with a little coconut beverage hanging out in a hammock. And the reason I have this one is I have a gigantic head. And a lot of people don't know this, but I wear a size eight fitted. And so all the snapbacks and all the flex fits, they really don't fit me very well. So I don't have any Savannah Bananas hats because none of them fit me. So when they put up this banana hat months ago, I was like, oh, that's that's the one I got to have. So I can kind of sort of represent the team. Did uh, they like just get did just like just get here? <laughs> like I got it like uh, about a week ago. Yeah, this hat just came six in months. Whoa. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a very long time. And I was getting really sick of waiting. And then I got here and I was like, this is pretty sweet. I guess it was worth it. Uh, so uh, did, you said you teach us, uh, you taught uh, social studies in college, right? No. So I taught exercise science in college. So I taught everything from um, exercise programming, group fitness, sports law. Uh, I even taught biomechanics. So that's like physics applied to sports in the human body. I taught all kinds of weird stuff in college and I teach social studies for, for high school. So I teach world history and I teach psychology. Um, so some of my listeners are probably asking why I'm interviewing a teacher slash announcer slash public speaker, whatever you want to be called, because you do so many things. Uh, <laughs> but I want to remind them part of why I do this to get better at public speaking. Uh, you've been great at it for so long, and I want uh, I want to learn more from you. So before we get there, let's take it back. Where did you grow up and did you play baseball when you were my age or any other sports? So I grew up in Rahway, New Jersey, uh, which is like northeastern New Jersey, about 30 minutes outside of New York City. I did not play a lot of sports growing up. I played soccer from the time I was, I want to say, kindergarten or first grade until I was about in fifth grade. But that was kind of the extent of a lot of my sporting experience. I, I played in the band, so I was, I was one of those kids. Uh, in high school, I wrestled for a season and then I did swimming for a season, but I mostly stuck to JROTC. So I didn't have a lot of, again, I, I kind of mentioned it before, not a lot of athletics in my background. Uh, so it, it, you know, my skills were, were in other areas. Um, so you, be, uh, you have that music background, right? Like you're, you're sometimes a DJ. Uh, do you like, like regular, um, like musician music where you play? instruments or like song music so i played the saxophone from the time i was in fourth grade until i was in ninth grade and then kind of gave it up from there i i didn't enjoy being in the band when i was in high school i really i really didn't get along well with the other kids there so it just was not where i uh, fit in it wasn't until the next year when mm -hmm. i joined rotc that i kind of found my my niche in my group but um 
I love music and I love music then and I love music now. And but I've been more of a music appreciation kind of guy. I mean, even I don't know uh, in, when I was in middle school, we had a middle school music teacher and she would she would play like a name that tune game with us. And I loved it because I would smoke all the other kids in name that tune. And I don't know what it was. Even then, I had a really good ear for sound and for music and I could pick things out and, and things that a lot of people didn't know. And so later when I started DJing and all this other stuff that started to serve me uh, because it, it helped me kind of do all this stuff in public speaking and in, in hosting. So that, that's what I would call myself as a, a professional host okay. that kind of encompasses everything. Um, so uh, now I want to share something that we have like sort of in common. So obviously I've been doing this podcast for like the last year and a half, um, but my family uh, runs in like a com communication background. My grandfather um, was a reporter for a long time. And then he had a radio talk show, um, which was all over the country in the 1990s. Um, it was about business and money talk. But uh, my dad would go on from time to time to give movie reviews, sports updates. And he even got to interview uh, some celebrities at the time. I think he interviewed Bob Kane, the creator of Batman one time. That's um, cool. And he got his uh, communications major when he went to college. So I, I guess I have something in common uh, with them and you. Well, for sure, man. And and I've been, you know, listening. I haven't listened to every episode of your show, but I remember when you did the episode with the Dancing Umpire with Vincent. Vince, Vince is easily my best friend uh, with the Savannah Bananas. He and I met very early on and hit it off right away. I mean, he's one of the few people in the world that I call on the phone regularly and, and we just kind of chat and catch up. And, you know, I, I work with kids and I have kids, you know, your age and, and a little bit older. So I, I've been impressed with what you've been able to do. And I think you're doing everything right, man. I mean, you're, you're playing, so you're out there, you're doing it, you're getting the athletic experience, but this side of it on the broadcast side, I mean, you watch enough sports you know that a lot of guys can't play forever and some of them will transition into the booth and that's a great, you know, long career. You're developing those skills now. So you're getting the best of both worlds. So you're, uh, you're rocking it, man. So using that kind of experience you have in your family, plus you're getting out there on the field, just keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Well, it's, it's the same thing for lots and lots of people uh, becoming a professional baseball player. The chances are really, really low. Um, I love playing and I think I'm pretty good at it, but the odds are really, really low. And my parents tell me that the podcast is something I could have like as a backup. So I could get a communications uh, major in college. Then if baseball doesn't work out, I can become the next Joe Buck of baseball. Well, dude, I mean, what age did you start at? You said a year ago. Uh, like, um, 12. So October, at, at 12, so think about it by the time. So if you were to graduate college at, at the time when most people would at 22, you've got 10 years of broadcast experience. And, and you've also, you've been operating in a niche where you've been interviewing athletes and people that are going to bring listeners to you because you and I both know, and, and probably listeners know too, the prerequisite to starting a podcast is um, nothing. Like Anyone can do this. Anyone can start it. It is free to start up. Now, whether it's successful or not, that's a whole other ballgame, right? Um, and you have tapped in by working with the Bananas and then working with other professional athletes. You're starting mm -hmm. to get listeners and you've got exposure that a lot of people don't have. So for you to start that at the ripe old age of 12, your parents are right. So keep playing shoot for the stars, do as best as you can and try to land that major league contract someday. But they're right. Like, by the time you get to 22, that senior year of college, when you're done and you're ready to go out in the world, 
you've got 10 years of experience. You've got 10 years of content. So you are far ahead of the game at this point. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not a bad plan you're, of where to go. You're basically describing Biko. Yeah. I mean, Biko is another one of those guys and uh, he's, man, he's a hoot too. I know you've gotten to talk to him, but that guy is a blast to be around. He, he is uh, incredible. He's a great guy. Um, uh, I talk to him every now and then, and he, he, he's so, he's super nice to me. He lets me go into the broadcast booth every now and then he's awesome. But one of my questions is uh, how have you seen communications change over the last decade or two? I mean, with the rise of social media and the, the ability to kind of broadcast from everywhere, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, I, I don't, it's weird, right? So I, I work very much in communications, but my education, my background is not in communication. You know, my, my education, I went to college for psychology, which it's, I went and did that because I didn't know what I wanted to do. That just sounded like something fun to do in college and something that would serve me. And I think it has. Uh, and then my master's degree was in kinesiology, which is like exercise science. So I kind of found my way into communications on my own, just based off of what I'm good at and, and where my interests took me more as an adult. But I've seen it, especially post-COVID, right? Because I think COVID changed everything. And it made, I think, podcasts more popular. It made YouTube web series more popular. And all the wireless technology that we have that we can broadcast anywhere. So, like, when you watch, it's funny, if you watch some of the Bananas broadcasts, when Biko or Kyle are up in the booth and they're talking to guys with, like, earbuds in, in the middle of the game, they have them, like, mic'd up and they can talk to them. That's incredible. You know, 10 years ago, that was not something that you could do unless you were major league baseball on Fox and you had all kinds of fancy Mm -hmm. equipment now with an iPhone and some earbuds, you can make that stuff happen. So it's really, really incredible to see where technology has taken us. Um, That it you're, you're a hundred percent right. And you could just plug in something and then it's so easy, but like you were saying 10 years ago, you had all have the, have to have all these fancy equipment and it was just super hard. It's amazing what has happened in the past few years. Um, so have any of your students gone to you for advice on how to get into hosting or doing events or doing announcements? Some have, um, but not as many as, as I would like, you know, a lot of them are, are just there much, much like you probably in some of your classes, like I'm just some guy to them, you know, they know what I do, but I've had a few that have asked me for some tips when it comes to public speaking or things along those lines. Um, and I'm happy to help any way I can. I mean, I think that's an area where I have a unique ability that I can give them some some advice and give them some training. Uh, but a lot of my kids don't. I mean, a lot of public speaking is a, is a major fear for a lot of people. And, and that's the bulk of what I do is I, I speak in front of audiences. You know, in classes, it's, it's 20 to 30 kids. When I'm out with the Savannah Bananas, it's as many as 10,000 people. That's not something that everyone is really eager to get up and try to do. But for the ones that are, I'm happy to help. And I have had a few and I've given them some advice and they brought some of their speeches to me and I've looked at it and given them some feedback. And uh, I hope that, uh, that I can help as many people as I can in that regard. So I actually do um, announcements for my middle school, uh, for my middle school, um, from just my middle school. And I have been doing them for, for the first semester. I'm doing them for the second semester and it's been uh, an absolute blast and I'm learning a lot more that I haven't and it's improving my communication skills. 
So you do the morning announcements then? Yes, morning announcements. Do, so you do, start out with the have, Pledge of Allegiance and oh yeah, they they have that everywhere and they've had it since the dawn of time, as far as I'm concerned. I I remember them when I was when I was in school, and in fact, when I was in high school, they they used me for the morning announcements then too. And in fact, they they had me for years actually, my voice as the opening line in the Pledge of Allegiance. They had like a mashup of voices and and they went with with me. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, getting a chance to do that. Not everybody wants to do that. And the more that you do it, the better you'll get at it. And that's that's really just like with baseball. You've got to get out on the field. You've got to take your batting practice. You've got to play games. You're never going to get better unless you keep getting in the box. And you've got to keep getting out on the field. You've got to keep going through drills. Working with your voice, working with anything is the same exact way. You've got to get those repetitions. And they're out there, right? Like the morning announcements, that's a perfect place to do it. And the more that you do it, especially at your age, you're just going to start to sound more natural. It's going to become more, it's going to just flow right out of you. And I think that's, that's definitely a lost art because, you know, I work with kids and anytime they read something, it sounds like they're reading. And one of the things about what I have to do is even when I'm reading, I have to sound like I'm not reading. It has to sound natural and, and just have a good flow. And that really just comes from lots of reading, lots of reading out loud and lots of practice. Um, so one thing I wish I could change for the morning announcements is every single day, it's the same exact format. The really the only thing that changes is the lunch. So it like it's like welcome. Welcome back, Coleman Middle School. And it's just the same thing. Every single please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, I guess. So what kind of they don't have additional announcements or anything that, that they you have guys occasionally in? like club announcements and the basketball team announcements um, and, and the the uh, the something of the day, like the national day or whatever. But it's besides that, it's the same thing. Well, let me ask you something. Do you get that? How far in advance do you get the announcements for what you're going to be doing? Um, We get there like. Well, I have a bus and I get there like 10 minutes before. So I only have like 10 minutes to practice. And that's just saying if I, so we have like nine crew members and then there, there's the crew and then there's the anchors. And it's hard to be an anchor because there's so many people that want to be an anchor. So it's really, really tough. So are you one of the anchors then? Sometimes when I'm, when my bus is early. So I, when I be, when I be anchor, I I practice. And we just do the thing. So, I mean, all I can tell you is, you know, what when you're kind of in a box like that where you're limited, best thing you can do is just put your own little flair on it where you can, but just do the best that you can. But if you have the ability to kind of add something or put a little extra or, or a little bit of something that's yours, whether it's a saying or a phrase or even just add a little something else, um, I think always do that. And this is something where, you know, you're young. And I, don't want, I don't want your dad or everybody to get upset with me. But sometimes in situations like that, sometimes it is better to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Uh, because if you do something and you feel like it's good, and that's something that's hard to teach. But if you if you are feeling something when you're talking on a microphone, you're like, I think this is good. I'm just going to go for it. Worst comes to worst, if they don't like it, they're like, hey, don't do that again. You go, all right, my bad. I won't do that again. But if you do it and they like it, then you might get a chance to do it. And you might even let you do other stuff in the future. So I would say if you think that there are opportunities, as long as they're appropriate, they're focused and they're going to benefit your students and your audience, 
go for it. And, and that's very much kind of like the same kind of empowerment that, that Jesse and the, the bananas give us, right? It's if it's fans first, do it. Like you don't need to come to us. If you're putting our fans first, we, we want you to do that. And so for you, when you're in that capacity and you're doing the morning announcements, the fans, really the people that you're serving are your fellow students. So if you have something that you think is going to connect with them and it's not breaking any rules and it's not something that's really going to get anybody in trouble, but it's something that's going to benefit you and it's going to be better for them. Give it a try, man. Worst they can tell you is no. And then you just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that. Um, so moving on, how did you get involved with the Daytona Tortugas? So they called me. Uh, they saw me doing like I've known the general manager at the Tortugas for a long time now. He's, he's somebody I met when I first moved to Florida <laughs> back in 2010. And at the time he was working in ticket sales. The team was the Daytona Cubs at the time. And I was working for an event management company and we kept up with each other. And once I got into sports and entertainment, he saw it and he saw I was working for a professional football team at the time, the, uh, the Jacksonville Sharks arena football team. And right before the 2020 season that, that never happened, but was supposed to happen. He called me and asked if I wanted to be the on-field host for the Tortugas. And so that's how I got in over there. That's actually pretty funny because recently I interviewed Rich Mazingo, the general manager of the AA Reds, the Chattanooga Lookouts. And we're trying to get Nick Crawl, the general manager of the Reds. And that's actually really funny that you know the general manager of the, of the Daytona Tortugas. So we have like the Reds lined up. Or something. Yeah, I mean, and and they're always willing and a good group to talk to as well. I mean, the Reds organization has been awesome to work with. You know, I haven't gotten to work too much with the guys above us, but from the players and then just from the organization standpoint uh, on the ground in Daytona, it, it's been it's been amazing. Um. So my for my listeners who may not know, uh, you actually are a fantastic and fun host. Um. So you. And you also are a really snazzy dresser. Um, you wear colorful clothes and shiny suits. Uh, how did that start for you? So it started slowly. Um, that was not what I did initially. Initially, when in sports, I, I first started in professional wrestling. Because it really, I'll be honest with you, of all sports, pro wrestling, like WWE style wrestling, that is my favorite thing. and has been since I was like 11 years old. So a little bit younger than you. And... Um, I first started and I would wear just a, a jacket that was not colorful, but I had like solid colors, like a red, a green, a gray or a black and uh, a polo underneath, which really wasn't even the right dress code. But that's how my outfit started. And then about a year in, I started buying a little bit fancier suits. And I'll tell you, as soon as I did, as soon as I started with, I remember the first tuxedo I bought was like a blue paisley tuxedo and then like i had a purple one as well and then i bought like matching colorful shoes and the amount of people at the event that were like oh my god that i love your outfit i love that and i that's when it kind of clicked that like okay there's something to this and so i i started to pick up more and do it and then it slowly turned into kind of what i'm known for so not only do you have to be good at what you do you've got to stand out you've got to look different and be out there so uh kind of having that wide variety of colorful suits and now even as a teacher you see i'm wearing kind of a crazy shirt right now every single day in class i wear something like this if not crazier and i never repeat the same thing in the same school year so like that's kind of another thing that that the kids kind of like because it's it's something fun and different every day 
So you must have a big closet. Oh, dude, you're you're looking in it right now, at least part of it. But I have a whole set of two racks out in my garage filled <laughs> with just suits and tuxedo stuff. It's 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 crazy. And I get questions about it every single week of my life now. Um, Do you have to get uh, them tailored or custom made? I just know my size. So some stuff I do have to get altered a little bit. But most things I just kind of know where my size is and I just buy what fits me and, and it looks pretty good. I happen to have a body type that I think works for for certain sizes. So it's not that crazy to get them uh, altered. Well, you probably know how I end each interview. But before that, uh, do you have any questions or recommendations for me? And if not, how do you how do you see your role in sports? Uh, you should be very proud of the work you're doing. Well, thanks, man. It's um, I play an interesting role, right? Because, um, you know, I know you talk with most of my friends at the Bananas and I'm I'm very much just a, a one player and a huge, amazing, talented cast there. But it's it's a blast because they, they really are the greatest show in all of sports. But the way that I kind of look at myself in, in sports otherwise is I'm. As a host, I'm kind of the guiding hand, kind of moving the audience along. The action is on the field, right? Whether it's a baseball field or a football field or on a basketball court. Uh, you know, these are all places that I've worked or in a wrestling ring. When the action is there, all the eyes are focused there. But all that stuff in between of where people want to still be entertained. You know, when you go out to a two-hour game or a show, you want to be entertained the entire time. That's where I come in. My job is to kind of move you along and keep you on track and still having a good time and never have a down moment so that your entire experience is is a good one and it's something i've worked very very hard at and had a chance to do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over the last few years well it's time for the fun stuff the not so rapid fire questions uh you ready for a few let's do it ma'am um so what is your dream announcing gig madison square garden um I, I would love for it to be wrestling or boxing, but that venue for me is number one, doing something inside Madison Square Garden. Um, will you be doing any uh, hosting or announcing on the 2023 Banana Ball World Tour? Yes. Uh, right now, I know for certain I'm on all of the Florida dates, and I know I'm going to be on more, but we have orientation this week, and I'll find out more of the dates from there. Um, so any cities you're looking forward to? I can't wait for New Jersey um, because that's where I'm from. And I've never performed in my home state. I've done everything down here in Florida where I live now. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Nashville because my parents all live in Tennessee now. And my dad has a bunch of tickets and he's excited to come out. Vegas is going to be fun. West Virginia, the Charleston Dirty Birds. Like I love that team and I love the organization. I got to meet them this year. So getting to go up there, their fans are super cool and have been very interactive with me. So those are just a couple of the cities that I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, so I just learned that MC means master of ceremonies. Uh, do you have any MC or host idols? MC or host idols. Um, I love I think of Michael Buffer. I know he's a ring announcer, uh, but he's also that hosting type. I think he kind of sets the bar. He, he's the reason that guys like me can get paid to do what I do. So that's probably one of them. But a, a lot of the guys who have worked in professional wrestling are up there. And then I kind of look at TV hosts, really, as, as some of the, the big hosts from there. And I love um, – I always loved Alex Trebek, man. I started in trivia, so I always liked what he did, too. Um, so you have kids. Uh, what do they think of what you do? 
I'm just dad. I'm just some some nut that yells and, and lives here. You know, for them that they don't understand that I think the specialness of it a lot. Uh, but there are times, there have been moments, even this year, where they come out and they they look at me a little different. They're like, ah, I guess this is pretty cool. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite athlete interaction you've had as a host? Oh my gosh, my favorite athlete interaction that I have had as a host. Um that's a really good question, a hard question. I um a couple years ago, I was hosting a professional wrestling um convention and I got to sit inside a ring for 45 minutes and interview Kane. I don't know if you know Kane, I don't know how long you you were ever been a wrestling fan, but The Undertaker is my favorite wrestler of all time. And in in wrestling storylines, he had a brother named Kane. And this is all like from when I was like 11 and I started watching and that's when he came out and he, they had this big rivalry and all these great matches. And uh Kane is actually now the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. And so uh I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. And I got to sit and interview him in front of like about a thousand people for 45 minutes. And I, I felt like that 11 year old kid that, that watched him come out and rip the cage door off. And here I am as an adult sitting there and he was super cool. We had like a really intelligent, in-depth conversation, not the same kinds of questions. I feel like that he probably gets at a lot of other wrestling conventions like do you remember this match do you remember that i talked to him about his background in english literature and how that served him as a professional wrestler now as a politician and so i think that's probably the coolest interaction that i've had because it, it was just so amazing to me as a fan and, and as a professional uh, all i know is he's the mayor of knoxville i don't know i only know three wrestlers um and one of them's the rock so i've met the rock's dad oh no way <laughs> Yeah, he he passed a couple of years ago, but I, I met him. Uh, he was at a convention here in Florida. So yeah, it uh, you know the Rock. The, he was a, he was a Miami guy over at the U. So mm -hmm. go Gators! But um, so I, I heard you're a, a huge geek. So DC or Marvel? DC, hundred percent DC. Uh, I prefer. Actually, Marvel. question for you. Follow up question for you. Are you named for Dick Grayson? Like you're. Um, I'm at, so my middle name's Knight and I go by Grayson Knight. I'm actually named after the Dark Knight because I was, I, I was, I was born around that time. And so you're a Marvel fan over DC and you're literally yeah. named for, oh man. Yeah. Your attention in the house, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's one thing you want to achieve in 2023? More cities, more people. Um, but, but what I would love by the end of this year is I want to be hosting and speaking full time. Uh, I would love to transition out of the classroom. I like being there. I like I like teaching. But uh, my real passion is, is everything I'm doing in, in sports and live events. And so uh, I think this this could be the year for me where I have the chance to finally break out and, and do that because, man, I work a lot. And uh, it'll be nice to have to work a little bit less and still be able to pay my bills and take care of my family. And last one, uh, what is your favorite baseball movie? My favorite baseball movie is The Sandlot. I'm a big Sandlot guy. I was a kid when it came out. I loved it then. It still holds up now. That's that's my favorite. How, how do you relate to it? I don't uh, personally. I just it, it came out when I was about the same age as those kids. So for me, it. it a lot of good movies came out, you know, little rascals came out around that time. And, and I was around that age. So I, I just felt 
very related to all the characters in that sense because I was their age when it came out. And I think that's what has stuck with me. I mean, I, I didn't play baseball. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have those same kinds of experiences. So I don't have that connection. But being a kid at the time at that same age, that's probably the reason I still connect with those movies. Well, the young professor folks, we did it. Uh, did you have fun? Dude, I had a blast. I mean, this that's the name of the show, right? Baseball podcasts are fun. You certainly yeah. live up to the uh, to the name. Thank you so much. Uh, this was different and awesome. Uh, anything else you want to add or any questions for me? No, man. Grayson, thank you so much for having me. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy. I love to hear it. Thanks again. Um, the Young Professor is available for hire as an MC, host, announcer, DJ, and motivational speaker. He's all over social media at The Young Professor MG on Instagram and at the Young Professor G on Twitter and on Facebook. Search up The Young Professor. You can also email him at theyoungprofessormg at gmail.com. And you can help my show by subscribing to Baseball Podcasts Are Fun on YouTube and Spotify and following at Baseball Podcasts Are Fun on Instagram or visiting my brand new website, baseballpodcastsarefun.com. Please check back next week for a brand new episode. Until then, I am Grayson Knight, and that was The Young Professor. And this was Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Don't forget to swing for the fences. See ya!